0: hi sunshine i'm natasha your host for the shine online podcast and the founder of soul studio In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. And before we dive into today's conversation, you're actually tuning into an exclusive replay of an Instagram live interview. And we'll be answering questions and interacting with the live audience over on my Instagram. So let's get right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We are getting right into this podcast interview. Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me. And I would love for you to kind of like tell us a little bit about your journey. I know you went full time a few months ago. Like, how did you get into the Instagram realm, the marketing realm, and how have you grown your business?
1: Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I feel like we have so much to catch up on. We went live, I can't remember when, maybe like ages ago. April. It might have been, it was
0: like right, but yeah, it was like right before you were like making that transition yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Amanda Kohal, and I'm the founder of The Wolf Co. So I teach entrepreneurs how to build and grow their business and, most importantly, their communities through Instagram primarily. But I am starting to dabble in TikTok. I'm like really obsessed with TikTok, Um, but we'll get into that (laughs) a little bit later. Um, because you know, Instagram didn't give me reels, right? And I only like half have, have reels right now. So weird. <laughs> I literally have to go into like the one reel I made, click right. on the sound, change the audio, and try to make a video. But once I fully get it, I plan on doing your challenge. Like, I thought oh, that was so brilliant what you did. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I so I was working full time. Uh, up until September of 2020, I've been in marketing for 11 years now, I think, you know, been doing marketing, advertising yeah. my entire career. Uh, but I always just like thought when I was working corporate for a long time that I would, you know, Climb the corporate ladder, become right. the CEO of one of the companies, like take over for you know somebody. <laughs> you know, no idea how it works, right? <laughs> and then um, slowly, as I was like navigating through my career, I realized that my thought process was just a little bit different than a lot of folks in corporate, mm. and I started to have that like itch and that urge to find other creative outlets. Like I wasn't getting that right. fulfillment. And like, there's so many rules, there's so many people you have to ask for permission to do things where, as like, I love just an open creative playing field, right? And just like, kind of testing out new ideas, which is, you know, why I think you might love digital social media as well, right? Like, you just can test and try and play around. Yeah. And if something works amazing, but if it doesn't, you can delete it right. and you just don't do it again. Right.
0: <laughs> and I think when you're working for someone else, there's almost like this pressure to not only be being this whole marketing machine and doing all the things versus just one thing really well. But yeah, there's this like pressure to deliver metrics and a certain level of results. And of course, like we want to see results in our marketing strategies regardless. But I think that there's a little bit more freedom where it's like community building and quality conversations in the DMs and all these things are almost, you can kind of focus more on when you're not in that corporate kind of environment.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it just got to that point where I was, So, so, so tired because I was really building my wolf business starting towards the end of 2019 actually is when I was like, all right, Amanda, you need to come up with a plan like what's your exit strategy here right. build a work back schedule you love google sheets like day to day every little thing you're going to yeah. do like that's how granular i get a google sheets but it's really fun to build it i saw my coordinator ali just joined this conversation I love and goes uh, like my obsession with google sheets and asana <laughs> um <laughs> i love that <laughs> that schedule right. and like I was planning on on leaving June 2020, but then pandemic. So I had to kind of push my plans out a little bit. And then I was like, Okay, October 31st is gonna be my last day in corporate, I'm just gonna go full tilt into my business. But I actually was able to speed up the process a little bit and quit September 2020. And, you know, ever since then, I've been just Going full steam ahead with Wolf, and it's been awesome. Like I love what I do now, and it's like freedom. Oh,
0: that is so awesome, and not to mention casually living in Mexico. So before we dive into the Instagram bits, let me know what is your like favorite thing? Because I'm sure we could talk about this like all podcast episode. But what is your favorite thing about living in Mexico so far? And what is something that has like surprised you?
1: Okay, so yeah, I didn't even mention. Yeah, so move pit, to Mexico. My job. quit <laughs> <laughs> my job September 2020 and uh, my husband and I moved to Mexico, Merida, Mexico, which is in the Yucatan region, January 1st. So he's still working for his corporate job. He loves his job. Don't ask me what he does because it's like Chandler Bingish to me. Like, I can't tell you right. what he does. It's <laughs> stressful. Um, he doesn't, like- he likes it, right? <laughs> yeah, does it? He likes it. Um, and we just decided, like, why not? If we're going in a second lockdown, I don't want to be right. in that small condo. I want to be, oh my God, so cold.
0: I can't even <laughs> fathom. It's like 50 degrees here. I don't know that in Celsius. And that's like freezing to us. <laughs>
1: so yeah, we're below zero. Um, you know, so it's like, it was very, very cold and just the city lost its luster. Right. Like, you know, like I, I'm such a city girl and it just lost everything for me. Everything was closed. So we're like, where should we go? That he can still work. I can do what I do anywhere, anytime. And so we decided, decided on Mexico and uh now we're here it's been what two and a half weeks and honestly my favorite part is learning the language oh that's awesome we do not speak spanish we're not in a tourist town right. either so it's really forced us to learn spanish which but is awesome like we look like such freaks every time we go but you're trying <laughs>
0: and that's like what people really appreciate so that's awesome
1: yeah, yeah. And like we've started to do TikTok and stuff together. So my husband, like, he knows what I do, but right. Like, so we got, we got to talk to him one time and get him to explain <laughs> what he thinks that I do. Right. I bet Chandler Bingy right. probably did. But um, I was like, okay, babe, like, we got to do TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube because I think people are really interested in the process yeah. of living abroad, working, following your dreams, yada, yada, yada. And so he's like, okay, I'll handle YouTube. You do Instagram and TikTok because I really have no idea about anything social media, but he consumes a lot of YouTube. Right. Um, it's actually like how we figured out how to move. And so we posted our first TikTok, I think like seven days ago, a week ago, and it went viral. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so in like a day we got three thousand followers. And then now it's like slowly starting to go up. But I got another video that I'm like, I think you'll viral soon. So we'll keep it going. But now he's obsessed. He oh, loves so fun. engaging in the comments. So I'm like to my coordinator Ali, I'm like, You might have some competition right. in terms of who's going to do engagement management with our clients because Rob's really good at it.
0: Oh, that is so funny. I feel like it would be so funny to do like a couple's like live or something together. And like I can bring Marlon on, you can bring your husband on and they like explain what they think we do and like their little content secrets because it's so fun. Like seeing someone that's not in our world, like really adapt it and have fun with it.
1: I've tried to catch him so many times. On video, too, when he'll repeat things he hears me say. Oh, that's so funny. On phone calls. Like, you know, what it really comes down to is consistency, okay? Like, and he'll just, you know, mimic me and mock me and stuff like that, but it's hilarious. And he was actually picking these things up for when he started to engage on TikTok. Right. Now, YouTube is a whole other thing. Yeah. We recorded our first video yesterday, and like, I love video, yeah. but he was messing me up. Like, I was <laughs> stuttering and just felt like I was doing such a terrible job because. He was so nervous and like straight faced, and like you need to smile. Right, because scared of you. Yeah, like come
0: on. I know it's funny how like you put your camera horizontally, like it's a more formal type of video, and it it does feel more nerve wracking. So I mean, I think we've all been there for sure.
1: Yeah, but it's been so fun, and now he can see my world a little bit more. And I feel like it's a huge win to even get him to be a part of social media because he didn't have it before. Yeah. So I can teach anybody how to do social media. What's that saying? Isn't there a saying about salespeople, how they can sell?
0: Oh, how you can sell like, yeah, I I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yep. You can sell anything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. So I feel like now I can teach anybody because I thought he was unteachable. (laughs) Oh, that is so so, so.
0: funny. Oh, I can't wait to follow along with your journey. We'll be sure to put all the details for that in the show notes. But let's pivot a little bit to Instagram. And I want to first talk about like organic growth on Instagram, because I think we all have gotten the questions of like, how do I get more engagement? how do I beat the algorithm, quote unquote. Um, And we get that and are dealing with that all the time. And I think something I really want to address is we were talking about like engagement tactics. So some that we mentioned that honestly just suck are where you're going in someone's comment section and literally spamming every single comment with super shallow comments. Um, whether I know you did one where there's like this new engagement tactic of purposely not liking any of your comments on your previous posts. And then before you publish your new post, liking all of them to give them a little bit of a ping. So I want to kind of like explain to people why this isn't ideal. And another one that's similar to this is like tagging people on your post when it has literally nothing to do with them. So I want to break down why we rant about these and why when you're seeing these on TikTok or you're seeing them on your feed from other marketers, why they're not the best thing you can be doing for your brand.
1: People can see right through it. Yeah. Like that. that's first and foremost, I mean, and second of all, just for you as a creator, you know, an expert in your industry, it makes the platforms less fun and less enjoyable to create for because you're now doing everything as like a task list item. Mm. Oh, got to do my post today. Now I need to do this engagement and I need to make sure that I talk to X amount of people for X amount of time and do at least three sentences like what if you don't have three sentences to say, say yeah. like I'd rather you you will come in and just like say what's on your mind if you feel it and not feel like every time you know certain people post you have to go and comment on their stuff it's right. just very inauthentic There's such a hidden agenda behind it and more and more people can see through it yeah
0: I agree. And I think even what, when you were talking about this, what I was starting to think about, and I don't know, I hadn't read the article. I haven't seen it. I've heard a few people mention it in like clubhouse and in Facebook groups that I'm in, where basically that there's like this thing that Instagram said that you have to do one IGTV a week and you have to do two to three reels a week. And then you have to do three feed posts a week. And then you have to do daily stories. And like they made it where there's like, you have to do all these set amount of things for them to even see you or think about you on Instagram. And my thought process is, that, I mean, first of all, a lot of us are solopreneurs or we have very, very small teams. We don't have a team for marketing, which is a lot Mm -hmm. of what these bigger brands that can pull off those posting schedules have. They have multiple people, one for community engagement, one for creating the content, one for graphics, one for video editing. So that's like the first thing I think of is just like sustainability from a small business perspective, but also do we need to be creating more or focusing more on just the quality of the content that we're creating, which I think you do so well with your carousels and your stories and all the content, your lives, all the content you put out.
1: The feeling is mutual. I really love your content and I can tell you put like your whole heart into every piece, which people can feel too. Like as much as they can feel, you know, you just slapping up a post just to post it can feel when you the emotion in it. And when you you know, just put a lot of thought into it. I think I mean, with any platform, the more you're on it, the more uh, touch points you have, it's great, right? But To your point, who has the scales? For that, When you don't have teams like Gary Vee, yeah. um, you know, hundreds of people working on very, very specific things in your business, I always say focus on a couple of key areas and get really, really good at those. Be known as the girl or the guy who goes live every day or once a week, but kills it on there. You know, be known as the girl or the guy who does reels I mean you're really known for your reels too you've like you know made a mark in that space um but you really double down in the areas when you're you're focused on them and like that's what I really appreciate about you too it's not like you're just sprinkling here and there and it's kind of like fluffy stuff it's very granular it's quality right. whenever you are showing up on different platforms which is so important for people to realize like Instagram is a beast and I, I talk about this all the time in my my trainings I just won last week if people are to your point saying well I do real live IGTV yeah. what about my highlights my bio like do I need to refresh my profile pictures yeah. all this kind of stuff that I, I' like stop everybody just calm down take a deep breath you <laughs> need to relax two areas on Instagram that you want to focus on your feed, and maybe stories. And like, as soon as you get better, maybe you build up a team, you're getting faster at creating this content, because it does get easier, then you know, layer on a platform and a channel, but you don't need to do it all from day one, because you're going to find yourself set back way, 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 way far, because you can, there's no way one person can do all of that.
0: Right, exactly. And to your point of just like really focusing on one thing really well, it's like you with your lives or you with your carousels, when you're really like, I know if I'm looking for a tip on something specifically, or if I want to go see a really awesome live conversation, you know, I can go to you and it's not like, I don't remember the last time she did a live or, and I think there is, you know, something to be said about. Like, I think I, you know, I might make a lot of reels, but I also will maybe do a live occasionally or I'll occasionally do an IDT video. Like, I think you can do. All of them to an extent, but it's really important to make a strategy that is sustainable because Instagram has said this if we're quoting what Instagram wants, is they like consistency, even if you're just posting two times a week, but they are like the best carousels and they took you like two hours to make because it it really is like that sometimes (laughs) and or to feel where you were changing your outfits a million times and doing all these transitions. Like if you put out two quality pieces of content there and focused on having great conversations in them and on your DMS and in stories and all those things, I feel like that is like way more powerful for getting all those results of beating the algorithm and getting more engagement because People are going to engage with something that's quality content that is worth engaging with. That is kind of the point. Let's have an honesty moment for a second. Are you really struggling to figure out how to use reels in your Instagram strategy? You're wondering, do I need to dance? Do I need to point? How often do I need to post? How do I edit? So many questions on what to say and how to say it when it comes to Instagram reels. And that's why I took the 30-Day Reels Challenge that I hosted last year and I created it into a mini course. Inside the Lights Camera Reel mini course, you'll have 10 lessons and guides to help you learn and master the best practices for reels. You'll also have tutorials that will walk you through step-by-step for creating, editing, and distributing your first and future reels. And you'll also have access to the 30 day reels challenge, which will include 60 prompts. So you'll know exactly what to post. They are detailed, they have music suggestions, other tips. So you really don't have to think about your content strategy. It's all ready for you. There's also tons of bonuses like an Airtable template and Canva templates that will really help you just have everything you need to really utilize reels, which is really the best place to be on Instagram for organic growth. And organic engagement, boosting your engagement through the roof. So, if you want to learn more about Reels, the link to enroll is in these show notes, and I hope to see you inside the course. In the meantime, let's get back into today's episode. I'd love to talk about like content creation tips. Like, how do you, when you're creating your own content or for clients, you're advising for clients? How do you really make content that is engaging? Like are there certain things you focus on? Like how do you kind of make content that can get that organic growth? Cuz I think a lot of times like when we're thinking, we think of content first versus like all the tactics and strategies. So, you know what I mean? Cuz you can think of, like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I got to be hashtags and I got to have all these tags in it and and those are can be important, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but what is your thought process there?"
1: I always use the feed as the base. I mean, more The majority of my clients, their primary platform is Instagram. Right. So I'm like, okay, let's like, and I have a, a really terrible drawing of it. I'm sure you've seen it on my feed where I like do that freaky circle and yes. it said feed in the middle. Um, <laughs> but I use the feed as the base. And from there, we repurpose for the other channels. So that's like literally how I start my content creation process. If I want to sprinkle across platforms. Right consistency is so, so, so key. But if I'm thinking, okay, I want to actually start to try to do some reels. If I ever really get reels, I always go to my feed post first and I look and I'm like, okay, here's what I got on my feed. How can I now repurpose this message for my stories? Cause that's my like second place that I go. And sometimes it's actually just a reiteration of the tips that I've written in the caption, but it's delivered on a different format. And in a place where I actually get more eyes and where most people see my content first. Yeah. So they may not even see my feed post for like a couple of days. But I want to make sure that if they're always watching my stories that I've got those tips in there. But it's the exact same content that I've put on my feed. It's just a totally different format and in a way that they like to receive it, right?
0: Exactly. Um,
1: So it's not about okay, I've posted now to my feed, I need to come up with a new idea for my stories, and now something different for my reels. And what do I even do a live about? It's always for me, just an extension of what I've posted on that feed. And I do that for all of my clients, too. And I find from there, I get so many different um, branches of topics, and things that I can talk about for the different platforms, that can carry me for like weeks and months. But like, pick your primary platform like if instagram is it for you start with your feed posts and then take a look at your stories like how can i break this down in stories right you don't need to put all three tips on one slide you can tap through like tap you know for a second tip tap for the third tip like and just break it down and think about like these bite-sized pieces of information that's super super easy for people to consume? I feel like you do that a lot too, right? Yeah. I,
0: it almost makes me think of like, where I feel like reels can be very powerful. Even, you know, what was inspired by TikTok can be very powerful is that people want to binge something that they can digest and not feel overwhelmed with off the bat. And I think that's where people struggle when it comes to content is because they think of something like how to create Instagram videos. There are so So many things we could talk about related to creating Instagram videos, your cover photo, the title, the description, what type of video, what type of editing style, what type of editing tool. I mean, we could go on and on a laundry list because I think too many times we're focusing on like the macro topics instead Mm -hmm. of breaking down a big macro topic into a micro topic that you can build on in different pieces of content. So you can really deliver it in different visual ways as well. Cause I agree. I think that something, a way you're consuming content on a feed might be saving it for later. Cause you're like, wow, this is really educational, kind of like a blog post. Or it could be like, if you're on stories, it's because maybe you want that conversational aspect. So you're on a poll or you're in a question sticker or the direct messages, which I feel like is where stories are so powerful for really, you know, creating those relationships. So I love how you mentioned that. And it kind of got me thinking of another one of the, like, trendy, um, I I don't know, little hacks or whatever people are sharing right now. And I don't know if you've seen it where people basically say, like, take a screenshot of your caption and crop it and then, like, put it on your story when you share your new post to your story. Have you you seen that or heard of that? I actually have done
1: that. Yeah. But it's to follow up with... Comments that I pin, right? Because again, I always think of like most of my following watches my stories before they see the post. So I try to tell the story of the post in my stories, and we'll use that caption and then follow it up with like, "Here's what you guys are saying," and I'll use like the pin comments to provide my two cents. So how are other people using this though?
0: Well, they're pretty much using it to just like the, put their feed post on the story and like call it a day. And I think like, if anything, you're almost losing out on engagement, which it sounds like your route of doing it is almost like boosting engagement because you're like, wow, Hey, here's the conversation that's happening. Come and join. Do you have a question? Do you have a thought to add? Do you want to put, go through the whole carousel or watch the whole video to really see what we're talking about? Um, So that was like one little tip that I've seen is like people saying, just like put your whole caption and feed post on the story but then why are they going to go look at it? Cause it's all right in one place. You know what I mean? You got to break it down so people can either digest it or go to it. Right.
1: That's even like just with one random new post out of nowhere. I know. I always say like, follow it up, add a little bit of context. Yeah. The first one you can put new post, but try to share your new post at least three times and keep layering and adding that little bit of context get people to join the conversation and add their two cents to it because like there's so much we can learn from one another right yeah. but like i hate that because it's like you're tapping along somebody's story it's really fun it's flowing it's, it's making like, sense this is me watching those stories and i'm like <laughs> so good <laughs> and then yeah all of a sudden out of nowhere new post, and then next thing you know like we're on to something else right and you've broken up that experience for me it doesn't become seamless anymore so like when you insert these new posts like make it a part of the story already yeah and like this comes into your story planning too so I don't just plan what I'm going to talk about that day but I'll jot down like my general flow of stories like I usually always say good morning I didn't today but uh I was trying to rush right (laughs) <laughs> we had two adjustments. <laughs> I'll be like, Tito, let's let's rewind. Yes. Good morning. morning. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I make my general flow and yeah. I have kind of like my content pillars for each day of the week. Like I know on Monday I'm gonna be answering questions from Sundays and like Tuesdays I do a bunch of tips, like that kind of stuff. Um, but I love to still keep it free flowing. So as much as I Plan my content and kind of the topics that I want to go through throughout the week, which by the way, I try to make them connect because Mm. I have a, an obsession with like just a cohesive experience all around Instagram. So whatever you're seeing on my feed, you're getting little bits in my stories and then I might do a live saved as an IGTV and I can't remember what I was going to say there. That's okay. What was I talking about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seamless experience on stories having a flow oh, right right, yes. right.
1: I while I plan it I make space to be agile yes. and I always talk about like being agile because when you have a very engaged community in your comments responses to stories even over on your reels there's questions that are brought up and there's statements that are made that spark new ideas oh yeah And because your community is asking that in that moment, you really need to be agile and open to shifting your content that week to answer those questions. And I think that's really like such a key in organic growth is being present with your audience. Yeah. Like that's where I noticed a huge shift in my own community because before I took like a little bit of a social media break, like two weeks, like nothing, right? Like I really should have taken months off and just chilled, relaxed and off the phones. two weeks, I got my, my mojo back, just like Austin Powers. And uh, I came back and really started listening to the audience, the community, like paying attention to the comments. And it started to create conversation threads yeah. within the comments. And then literally like next day I would have posts that were like answering questions in those comments. And then it just created like this whole ripple effect of people now coming to my comments and almost having like mini chat groups in there. So it's like, I still respond to all of my comments as best as I can, but I'm like, I don't even need to show up in here anymore. You guys are like, fostering this together. And it's a really, really beautiful thing. Just listening to what people want. Like we as marketers think we know what people want to learn about. But if you start getting people asking you questions, like make your content from that. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I completely agree with that. I I always think when people are like, I have no clue what to say. I just say, listen, Um, whether you're consuming trends that are in the news or questions that you're seeing from your clients or conversations that you see popping up in clubhouse, like things that are off Instagram, but also internally on Instagram, because just because one person voices a question, it probably means that other people have that same question, but maybe aren't voicing it. And I feel like that's one of the my favorite things that kind of I think came from TikTok, maybe not directly, people maybe weren't on TikTok and, and brought it over to Instagram. But I think if you go on TikTok, like I watch a, a TikTok video, I'm like, wow, this is so funny. And I'm laughing to myself. And then I go into the comments and I'm like, oh my gosh, this just got like 10 times funnier because the comment sections are almost like a, like a commentary about what you're watching. And I think that same thing is applying to how the comment section should look for your content. I love the pin comment feature that Instagram added last year. Um, if you like swipe on a comment, yes, we love it. Thank you, Instagram. You did something very good there. Um, but kind of like swiping over, I see a really awesome question we want to get to next. But bas- maybe like swiping over, you'll see that pin option and you can pin up to three comments. And I've often found once I pin some comments that maybe are really controversial or maybe give a really great tip or ask a question that is, you know, commonly asked or just a really good One, Um, And then just building on that over and over is really how you start to build that conversation in your um, comment section. And we have a question about how to do this when selling products as a business. And I think that there's so many opportunities to do this. I think the first thing is tapping into your current audience base. So maybe this means, you know, kind of user generated content. Maybe you share something like, oh my gosh, we're doing this with our, I'm thinking of my matcha latte brand. That's what I'm like thinking of because I'm their ideal audience and they have products. So they could say like, you know, who else is like needing an extra scoop of matcha this morning, really short and sweet caption. um, As an example but in that section, I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I really needed a caffeine boost." or someone's like, yeah, like I added a little bit of honey to mine because I was like craving something sweet. And so kind of like thinking of what are those relatable moments and experience that people that have already bought your product are having? Because then if you don't have that product yet, you're like, wow, I kind of want to be a part of this little gang that's happening. What are some thoughts that you can think of for product-based businesses on really creating that conversation? Kind of like this question mentions.
1: So it's about like, getting your audience used to how you want them to engage with you. So just keep going and doing them more and more and more. And eventually, people will realize, Oh, I can answer these questions boxes in stories. And now get, you know, my question featured up there, or like, addressed and answered and things like that. But you have to just be consistent about it, and keep going. So I love when product-based businesses do that. Something else that I love, and this is a jewelry company that I, I'm a big fan of, Missouri, is they always respond to DMs. And you're not expecting big companies to do that. But because they do, it makes me feel comfortable to go and comment on their posts, knowing that they're recognizing and they're seeing and they're, appreciative of your comments and your engagement whereas some other brands don't do this and i feel like i want to even touch on personal brands so this is this is something i want to get your opinion on too so the way instagram was you know 2019 and prior was all about likes follows and kind of more of like a me 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 focused type of content lots of selfies Look at like how stylish I am, all the fabulous things that I'm doing. And then in 2020, it shifted to become way more about community. However, I see a whole slew of massive, massive creators from that, you know, 2019 and prior era where they got, you know, millions and millions of followers. I go on their feed and they are maybe getting 30 or 40 comments on their posts people with 2 million plus followers, okay? I don't even have 10K followers and I can get like 200 comments on a post. So what I see happening is these creators haven't shifted to the new Instagram. It is literally the platform to nurture your audience once you have it. The explosive growth and visibility actually comes off Instagram platform because everything Instagram does is just for the Instagram bubble. Whereas when you look at a platform like TikTok or Pinterest, they're driving traffic across your channels. They're search engines almost, at least Pinterest is. Whereas Instagram, you want to download a reel to now post it to TikTok. There's no music. They don't want you doing that. They want your Instagram content on Instagram. So this is where now it's become about the community and this is the place where when you have an audience, even if it's a hundred people, 10 people, you're nurturing them and you're focused on that audience because it's them that's going to get you the reach within Instagram to get visibility and growth for your brand.
0: Totally. And I think one thing that I kind of experienced when I kind of had like, a little explosive growth spurt last year is that it, it gets harder to manage your community. You know, when you're not small anymore, it does take time to answer all those hundreds of questions that you get on those high engaging posts, but it really does go a long way for creating those relationships. And what you mentioned on that, ch- that trend and that shift that I think is really notable is relatable content. And I think that this really does apply to products too. Um, I can think of this brand, they do clothing subscriptions. They're called Newly. And they said, like, here's some newly moments that are really, re- like, and they were relatable to a T. Like, it was like, you wear your fancy coat to the grocery store because of the pandemic. Um, you wear your nice sweater on a Zoom call because, you know, you want to look more polished, but you're wearing leggings on the bottom. Like, all these things that everyone's like, oh my gosh, I. I've been there or I would do that or that's really funny." So like really kind of creating those conversations and that connection and kind of bringing a brand that isn't a person, you know, to a more relatable point. But I think that applies to those personal brands. It's like you or me sharing, we've been at this hard place or we were struggling with this or, you know, this isn't a popular opinion or thought or thing that's happening, but this is how I'm experiencing it now and kind of bringing it to that human level versus like, oh my gosh, this is how amazing my business is. And I think related to entrepreneurs, I can think to not only when Black Lives Matter was kind of really circulating and so many business owners are being called out because they weren't speaking up because they were too afraid of saying the wrong thing. I think the same thing happens with that authenticity factor that we're kind of talking about where it's like, you can't just say, oh my gosh, here's how I got my hundred K month. You have to talk about the struggle that got there and the really high points and the lessons that you learned and the things that people might not know behind the scenes. So I think that's kind of like the common thread that I'm seeing between like the examples that we're thinking of and like the brands that we're referencing is like, just, just like humanizing your brand almost to create connections because we want to connect with a human on the other side, even if we don't know their face. Like I I can think of Chipotle, for example. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in one of their comment sections and like every single one of their community managers always signs off their names. They're always very witty and funny. And it's not like what you think a big brand Chipotle would say, but it kind of just makes it more, I don't know, just like more personalized, I guess.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think Duncan well, they're just called Dunkin' now, but Dunkin' Donuts does a really good job too. And they've leveraged influencer marketing and some of those big TikTok creators to bring that relatability and that humanization to their brand, right? So it's like becoming less of like a logo and more of it's attainable now because like I can communicate with this person. This is something that people in my um, community have always said to me. So they've like purchased courses from some of like those big creators like Jenna Kutcher's and and, like those folks, even like Jay Shetty, all of them. But they're like the one differentiator with you, Amanda, is like you are accessible. I know when I purchase a course from you I actually get to talk to you and I know that it's you on the other end that is engaging responding and thinking about these things for me whereas I would never get that interaction with a Jenna Kutcher or a Jay Shetty or you know any of those big guys so I think it's remembering to keep that contact with your community Once you grow to that size, you can't touch points with everybody, right? But where you can do it, even Birds Papaya, for example, she's a fellow Canadian. She has a ton, a ton, a ton of followers. She gets so many comments on her posts. She can't respond to all those comments. There's no way, but she responds to at least 50 of them. And it's not the same people every single time. So it's not just like her friends that she's only responding to. She's going in and she sees something that, you know, makes her laugh or something that she really wants to respond to. She's going in and she's still like at that community level and not so unattainable. And the brand still stays real and human.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that in so many ways. And I think that's why you don't have to, have your goal be to have thousands and thousands of followers and to always be focusing on follower growth. Of course, you want to see an upward trend with your content, your engagement. Like You do want to see things growing naturally. But I think that there doesn't have to be this pressure to get over 10,000 followers. I have swipe up. It's nice, but it hasn't changed my life. I can guarantee you that I loved when my audience was so much smaller because like you mentioned, when you get to that point, you lose that touch point, which I think is even more valuable in this marketing day and age. And it kind of got me thinking of hashtags related to your content, because I think for a lot of times, and I, I don't want to dismiss that hashtags don't work anymore. But I do want to say that I think hashtags used to be this place that like, if you want to get discovered, you use hashtags and that's how you use it. But I almost think that it's not that cut and dry anymore. And I get questions all the time of, do I use hashtags on my reels? And I'm like, I don't use hashtags on my reels and they're my top performing piece of content. So I know you did a really awesome post on hashtags. I've shared it with a few people. So do you want to kind of like break down, like how are hashtags working this day and age? Are people focusing too much on hashtags essentially for solving their problems?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, okay. As a newer account, I say, like, use hashtags, you don't need to use all 30. But pick, you know, 10 to 15 that really speak to your audience, okay, because they do work to get you that reach and the visibility, but they don't work right away. Okay? Yeah. So here's how they're like a little bit backwards. Now, where we once used hashtags, because it worked to get us found right away, we could guarantee that our post would be found and somewhere in yeah. the Discover page, right? Now, it's more so you need to prove to Instagram on a variety of different touch points that the content is worthy of being searchable through those hashtags. Right. And the way that you prove yourself to Instagram, I know it's a whole thing, right? But this is what keeps us on the platform and this is Instagram's mandate. They wanna be the most yeah. relevant social platform want to keep you on here for as long as possible so they can make money, yada, yada, yada. The way that they uh, rate it is through the different engagement points. So like your shares, your saves, your likes, your comments, all of that kind of good stuff. The more shares you have, shares is like the golden, golden metric. This means that like, holy shit, this piece of content resonated with me. I need to share it with either like my friend because it was a funny meme or on my stories because just like your real that you did, I had to share that to my stories because I'm like, man, Natasha's like bang on with like ethical engagement here. I gotta, gotta (laughs) share this, right? Instagram takes notes. They like, are like, okay, point for Natasha. This was good. She got a share and then another and then another and then the same comments. This post looks like it's, getting some traction here. So Instagram and the little men and women in the back of the algorithm are like, okay, we're going to now apply these two hashtags to Natasha's content, because it's shown us that it's worthy of circulation. It's, has to do with her industry. She's not talking about something that, you know, she hasn't typically talked about. And so we're going to start circulating it little by little. And the more of those touch points that you can kind of feed into, the more Instagram's algorithm is like, yep, this is great content. We're going to keep circulating it. So this is why I say have the hashtags there for the smaller accounts because As you start posting more and you become more consistent and you prove yourself to Instagram, the more your content is going to circulate. I personally don't use hashtags anymore because most of my community is sharing my content for me, but I used hashtags before so that I could get to that point. And I found like, at least for me, because Instagram is now like, okay, Amanda's been consistent. We know what she posts. Her community's loyal, yada, yada, yada. We'll pick up her post when the post picks up. And right. we know already what hashtags to start circulating it through yep. and the accounts to show her content to in the Discover page because she's been here for a while. We know her in and out. But when you're first getting started on Instagram, you need to categorize yourself with Instagram. They need to know who you are, what you do, how you're providing value to people so they can suggest your content to people so they can start adding it to content. And then you don't have to use hashtags anymore. Like I'm with you. Like my best pieces of content, no hashtags.
0: No hashtags. Yep.
1: And I'm more focused on like, I want more of you guys who are already following me to see my content as opposed to new and non-existing followers because I know yeah. you guys are the ones that are spreading the message for me and like we're now having conversations together as a community so I don't even care if Instagram doesn't circulate it outwards yeah. if the percentage of my existing followers goes up in terms of who's seeing my content I take that as a win I'm like so excited that like 85% of my existing following has seen my content, whereas before sometimes it was like only 11%.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, I think a lot of like a common theme of what we've been talking about is like focusing more internally on the people that you already have and the people that you're already connected with. Um, and that's kind of nurturing those relationships is how you're going to get those shares and how you're going to build your relationship with other people and how you're going to get those referrals. And it's going to be quality people. You know, if someone sees your content shared by, someone that they know and like, and they trust them, then chances are they're like, wow, let me check this person out. Let me, you know, see their content. Let me see this product, you know, things like that. So I love how you touched on that. And I also really love how you broke down how the algorithm really works, because they're thinking of the relationships that we're having in the comments and the DMs. They're thinking about those interests, which are the categories, you know, essentially that you're having. And I do think that there is a timeliness factor of your posting when people are engaged, people are seeing it and they're commenting and they're, and they're engaging with it. So I think that we often call this algorithm, this big bag monster that's out to get us and that it's working in mysterious ways that we don't know. But if you really sit back and think of like, what are Instagram's goals is they want you spending more time on the platform. It's as simple as that. So they're taking as much information in, and yes, they're looking at all those things you mentioned, every single one of them. And they are then creating, you know, pushing your content more out on the feed and the algorithm in the explore page, you know, and also it's showing it to more of your audience, which means you're going to get more shares and saves and things like that. So if you really think about it, like the algorithm isn't scary and bad and a monster, because if you understand how it works, it's actually very beneficial for using it to essentially work with Instagram versus working against what they essentially want their goals to be on the platform.
1: And if you're showing up delivering content that you truly love, that you enjoy creating and putting out there, people feel that energy. They pick up on that energy and the content will eventually start to circulate like everybody has an audience, like no matter how niche you will find your people out there. Yeah. So start thinking about putting stuff out there that you really want to put out there. That's when you make those real connections with the community. And that's when you start to see this great organic growth on your pages, as well as through the relationships that you start to have on these platforms. It's really, really going back to the basics almost and, and to your point, like we think, oh my God, the algorithm is like so complicated. It's really not. It's just seeing how you use the platform, how you interact with it, how you interact with people on the platform. And it just keeps yeah. feeding you more and more and more of that. So just my back a few points to the categorization that Instagram does that feeds into the algorithm. This is why I always say to like my clients and, and what I help them with is getting the Discover page to look as much like them as possible. So there was a point in time where on my Wolf page, because I have a personal Instagram as well, I was searching like Haley Baldwin fashion because like I love her style. Yeah. And then my Discover page, <laughs> my Discover page on Wolf became all like Billy Baldwin, Kardashians, like it was all this like beauty fashion kind of stuff. And I lost all of my content creator stuff, Instagram tips and tricks, inspiring stuff for entrepreneurs. I lost all of that. And I noticed a huge dip in the percentage of my content being circulated in with my internal audience. So I had to go back and start searching for that content again in the discover section to readjust the discover page so that Instagram wasn't confused and started to recirculate my content again. So use your personal pages to search Haley Baldwin's fashion, not your business page, because it really messes up with the visibility because it confuses Instagram. Now they think, oh, Amanda's now going to start posting content about this she enjoys this because she keeps searching for it so we're going to show her more and more of that content and then we don't really know what to do with her existing content because it doesn't really fit into the fashion industry so we're not going to circulate it yep
0: uh, so good, but it's it's really true. Like Instagram takes all of those different things. Yes, full of food. We have an example right now. I think TikTok's actually a very um, extreme example of that. I'd say the TikTok algorithm is spot <laughs> on in a very creepy way. But I kind of like realized when I was using it for business at one point, I was like, I can't be looking up Trader Joe's and cabins in Colorado. I need to be looking up business and Instagram and entrepreneurship. So really great points about the algorithm. I want to end things off by you sharing one or however many tips you want specifically on carousels and lives, because that is like the content that I think of when I think of you. And I think you do such a great job at both of them. So whether it's like something you've learned about doing your consistent lives or like a component that you add into your carousels, like give us just like a quick little tip as we end things off.
1: Okay, so for starters, though, carousels actually take me a really long time to do. Forever. <laughs> I. So it takes long. the
0: longest amount of, like, for all the content I create, it probably takes me the longest.
1: I know. I find it. it, it really does take me a long time. And the reason why is because writing is not like my natural form of communication. I'm much better on video on audio. I'm very expressive with my hands. Like how many times have you seen my hands (laughs) in this live? Right? Right. This is how I express myself. So much better at lives. But I'll get to that in a second. With carousels. The one thing that I think is like a differentiator for me and what I love seeing people integrate is the last slide of my carousels. I try to mimic other behaviors that you have on other platforms so that the experience that you're having online is very seamless when you're on my account. And my example of this is on my last slide of my carousels. Opposed to having like a photo of me and saying like book a call or go course, whatever, whatever, I actually have something similar to when you're on Amazon of people or Wolfies also shared and I show a screenshot of three of like, you know, my most related posts to the last one that I just posted on the carousel or like people also liked, or you might also like and I give like a little preview of three of my prior posts. And kind of create the experience that way i've noticed that this has not only gotten more visibility for those other posts but it's like piqued a lot of curiosity in the other platforms of my channel so i always try to make that last slide of my carousel very reflective of what else is happening online so like Right, You're kind of just having an experience that feels natural to you because you've seen that before.
0: Right. And then even on YouTube for example, YouTube does that at the end of their videos. And I think that it's really great because it's serving your current audience, people that are constantly consuming their content, like, Hey, you might've missed this, or you'd also like this. But also if someone's just discovering your content, they're going to go into that binge mode of like, Oh my gosh, there's more like this. Yay. I'm in the right place. And I can totally see this applying for product-based businesses too, right? Like they could share like, you know, here's some other of our most loved products, or here's some other ways that people are using our product or styling our product like I feel like it could work for a lot of different types of carousel types don't you think
1: a hundred percent and I'm waiting for the day that Instagram allows you to link those other posts in there right so like you could tap on that post and go to that post yeah. oh, that would like, be awesome. right so Instagram's listening I've given them a bajillion ideas <laughs> like Need this one because this let's talk. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to like reach out to me. Where's my chat? Right, like 10% for all these like, let's go. Keep me posted on that. <laughs> so, like, that's something that I love to do for carousels. Um, and it makes it really fun for me. And again, that like cohesive that. feel to like the wolf experience on Instagram. Now, for my mm-hmm. lives, something that I really love to do. And we didn't do it too much in this one because I know we're recording for a podcast. So I didn't want to be like jumping in the comments too much is engaging with those comments and like having that live conversation as people are asking those questions. So that kind of evolves into that being agile with your content. And something that you'll see me do a lot in my lives is live whiteboarding. So like you guys ask your questions in my lives. And I literally had a whiteboard before and we're, you know, thinking out loud and um, it really gets the community involved and it's so much freaking fun. Live is a great, great, great way to do webinars, teach a lot of stuff on here and like really, really connect with your audience. I would say lives is like the number one place to connect with your audience, because I agree in real time, like this. Yeah, people have right now. And like, I, I love live.
0: Yes, me too. I love how you can have, like, you could even have your community join you live. I know that's one of my favorite things to do, like see them face-to-face, do like pop-up coaching or Q&As. And I love that interactive element. And I think that's just like a great way to close things off is invite your audience to engage. Sometimes people just need to be asked, like, Tell me what you think in the comments, ask your cool, you know, let's brainstorm for you live, like just inviting them in. And I loved this conversation, loved all the gems we shared. And I know people are asking in the live comments, where can they find you? Where can they con- connect with you? Check out your lives, your carousels. So let them know where they can find you.
1: So I am at the wolf with an E C O in this live though. If you go to the top left, there's a little drop down arrow. It should say uh, my handle there too. And you can just tap right on it and go ahead, follow along the journey. There's lots and lots of stuff. I do a lot of lives. I got a lot of guides up there, which we didn't get to touch yes. on today, but I know <sighs> <stuff. laughs> yeah,
0: we both love guides. We really do. <laughs> they're
1: they're wonderful. So go check me yes. out at the wolf.co and Natasha, this is just like great. I love nerding out and talking about Instagram with people who like love it just as much as I do. We like love it, but we hate it, you know?
0: Right. Yes. Love to hate it together. And yeah, this was so fun. So thanks so much for joining me. And thanks for everyone who stayed with us, engaged, loved it all. We have her handle in the comment section. So go check her out. Um, And we will see you all
1: soon. Woo! Bye, guys.
0: Thank you so much to today's expert guest for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show. I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.